We are dead. We are dead. We are dead. We have children, so we are dead. Welcome to the Dave Chang Show, part of the Ringer Podcast Network, presented by Major Domo Media. Man. Isn't that a heavenly sound? Isaac Lee's beautiful, beautiful voice serenading us with dads. Yes, this is a dads episode. I am joined with Chris Ying and with Ravi Patel, who is a fantastic actor. If you haven't seen the documentary, Meet the Patels, you should. It is hilarious and insightful. Hyper-talented dude that does a little bit of everything entrepreneur, actor. I think he's a comedian because he's one of the funniest people I know. And um, this podcast goes off the rails. This is going to be part one of a long conversation. We'll do part two later this week. But Ravi has a daughter named Amelie who's three and a half. And we wanted to do a podcast about him being a dad with us, hence dads, and also talk about his upcoming series on HBO Max coming out August 27th, Thursday, called The Pursuit of Happiness. And in the show, it talks about him being a dad. It talks about him being a son to parents. It talks about him being an immigrant. It talks about mortality. It's a fantastic docu-series. Highly recommend you check it out. Very, very funny. And um, I'm glad that he was given the opportunity. I hope that there's more episodes coming from Ravi because he has a wonderful way of looking at the world. And uh, this is uh, one of my favorite podcasts because it goes just about everywhere. Very excited to talk to him. As I said, it goes off the rails a few times before we get into a structured dad's podcast. We talked for a very long time and we split this into two. I will shut up so we can get into this podcast of dad's episode. I think it's volume four with Ravi Patel. Talk about a lot of different things and The Pursuit of Happiness. Check it out. August 27th, HBO Max. We have Chris Ying with us, and we are doing a episode of the Dad's Podcast. And we have a dad with us today. Also, I mean, you are sort of a multi-hyphenate of everything, right? And we have... He just busted me because I mispronounced his fucking name. <laughs> Ravi, Ravi Patel. boy, You did good. It's good to be here, man. I'm a big... Dude, I'm a big fan of y'all's show. I've been listening to it. Uh, Dave, I've been a fan of you for a while, man. I also think Ugly Delicious is one of the best docuseries, I'd say, the last 10 years. I think there's so many things about it that are intensely artful. And I also think you're an incredible host. It's so personal. I can't wait to talk about all of it. Your episode of the beginning of season two was, I mean, it's so funny how many elements there are that cross over with what I'm trying to do with my show. So I mean, I'm just excited that you guys are doing this with me. So thanks. Well, you know, before we get started in all that, you should know that I had a, we have a meeting with uh, Morgan Neville, our partner in Ugly Delicious, and I told him that when it comes out on HBO Max, so it's Ravi Patel's Pursuit of Happiness, and I was just bummed out. The one thing I was bummed out is you didn't turn the I into a Y, 
like the Will Smith movie. <laughs> right. I watched I watched the whole thing waiting for it to just be a remake of that Will yeah. Smith movie with you in the lead role. I that's I thought what we were talking about here. Bro, don't even get me started on this title. That 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 that, that, that Oh man, that was a fight. But it was um it was great. It was really really great, man. And talk about Thanks, personal. Man. You 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 put it all out there and uh you know, my wife watched it and she's like He's so funny. And I was like, yeah, I know. Take it easy. Take it easy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's that good? You saw this cutting into your space? That's the best thing that could have happened. Oh, my goodness. That is great. Oh, my God. I would love to get some of that Chang market yeah. share. Yeah. No, she, she literally was like, hey, uh, can I get the screener access uh, so I can watch it by myself tonight? <laughs> oh, I love that. Dude, she's wonderful, by the way. You all seem like you have such an awesome marriage. And your kid, oh my God. Dude, that video you posted today, I just couldn't take it. And by the way, what a what a testament to the phase we're in that like I'll look at someone else's baby of videos and do like these emojis with hearts in the eyes. I never would have <laughs> thought I would do that. And Dads. I did like three of them. Like that's where I'm at. Yeah, well, I appreciate it. And that's why we wanted you on Dads <laughs> because there's a lot to cover here. But one of the things that I, I really appreciate about your, one of your episodes, and uh, when does it air? Uh, like on August 27th on HBO Max. One of the episodes, without going too deep into it, is about you being a dad and a husband. Mm -hmm. And I thought it was very personal and incredibly relatable and also was the catalyst for like, Ying, maybe we should just have him as a dad's slash promotion of the show podcast because... <laughs> Tell me, tell me about the setup of the show before we get into everything else. Yeah, sure. So, you know, CNN called me in. Well, I didn't know at the time. I thought it was just like a general meeting. And it, it was eventually revealed to me that they are, you know, looking to develop shows around talent. And their thing was like, hey, you know, we want you to do whatever's authentic to yourself as long as there's travel elements involved. So for me, you know, that was kind of difficult because... I'm not really an expert in anything. Like I couldn't do a food show for sure. I'm not an academic. And so the more I started thinking about it, I guess the first thing I thought was just on a practical level, I've done so many canceled shows. And so I know that things are likelier than not to not last. So I was like, okay, I want to come up with a show that even if the show itself is not successful, it will have been a success in my life. And two... If it does last forever, I want to be able to do it forever and not be taken away from my family and my friends. And so that it's the starting point was really like, how can I create a show where it brings me closer to the people I love and I get to spend time with them, essentially going on vacations with them. Um, and I am pretty actively, I would say aggressively, um, and I think this is something that binds us. I'm pretty obsessed with trying to figure out how to have more fun every day and how to make everything more substantive. I, whether it's, you know, I jump obsessively into every random cleanse that pops up. When I play a game, like I'm like right now, I'm going through a complete poker relapse and I'm in so deep, you know, like I'm reading books, I'm watching master classes. <laughs> like I just, I just get like this about stuff. And, you know, I'm also, you know, with a group of friends, we're talking about trying to build a neighborhood together. I just obsess over all these things that I think is very, it's something that I've noticed all my friends are really obsessed about whether it's trying to be a better husband, a better father, a better friend, uh, a better son. 
And so that's where the show came from. And then I prioritized the four episodes that are in this first season based on the things that are most urgent to me. So the first episode, I go to one of the hottest retirement communities for expats in Mexico with my parents. We talk about retirement and aging. And that's because as a father, when I became a father, one of the things that was really eye-opening was how much I was obsessed with my kid and realizing, oh, my parents have been obsessed with me in that way their whole lives. And I want to kind of give something back to them for that. I want to reward that feeling. And I also am becoming, and I'm sure we're all around the same age, like becoming increasingly aware of everyone's mortality. So that episode really came of, I I wanted to know ahead of time, what are the questions I'd be saying in therapy after they pass that I wish I'd asked now? I did another episode in Japan that you referenced with my wife. That's about parenting and, and essentially marriage in a place that is known for kind of doing everything in the most innovative way possible went to Denmark, a country that's known as one of the happiest countries in the world, except for how it treats its immigrants. That's a question that's extremely urgent in the American context right now. We're dealing with it in a very big way right now. And then went to South Korea with one of my best friends, this guy, Matt Polson, who like me is also an entrepreneur and is trying to optimize every minute of his day, whether it's work or play. And all of us right now are overscheduled and overstressed. And as a result, never completely satisfied. And in the meantime, the days go by. Yeah. And you were off that first episode where you took your, your parents to that uh, retirement community in Merida in, in the Yucatan, which brings me to, to like a, a, the first confession here is Dave and I actually wanted you on this podcast so we could get your dad uh, yeah. to do an episode of dads because holy shit, uh, your parents need to be, they just need so much more airtime. They're you know what? You know who else is saying that? Them. Uh, they, <laughs> yo, they are so... Okay, so Meet the Patels made them... This is a, we, we made a documentary about our family and then setting a very, up with Girls. A very successful, hilarious, heartwarming documentary. Uh, thanks. Dude, thank you. Um, and and, and it, made, it made my parents semi-famous and they love it. They've fully pivoted into a Hollywood lifestyle. My dad's like Facebook occupation says uh, actor. Oh shit. Um, oh uh, shit. They and I and I kind of put them in every there it turns out they're really good at I just I shot this show in India and I cast them in it and they were amazing. So they're constantly asking. They really want a food show right now. So they're just constantly asking for more and more stuff. And you know, again, it's just one of the things that I feel like I'm lucky to do right now where I'm in this moment where I can use work to kind of bring me closer to the people I love and spend more time with them. Of course, that ends up being cheating in a lot of ways because they still end up just working more, that means. <laughs> well, yeah, put us in touch with his WME person, whoever that is. And we'll, Dude, I can we'll... call dad right now and he would immediately <laughs> jump in. Dude is thirsty. <laughs> what I wanted to say, when I met you, I met you through Neil. We had, yeah. we had, we had dinner at some random place downstairs and then you showed up you just got off the plane or something yeah yeah i do it in some like underground yeah i don't know what that place was but yeah i just landed so so gobo was one of my best friends like right. we're super tight neil and i are buddies too um and uh, i didn't know you were gonna be there but it was, it was awesome to meet you because i was like dude this could not be more <laughs> serendipitous for me because i just got this opportunity and i don't know many people in this world who know how to do this and you're so good at it can you please and you you were so i still remember you were so i guess it, i clock whenever i feel like i meet someone who i think might be a real person 
in entertainment because I feel like I'm sure you notice this as well. You notice so often when they're not real people. And so you were, I remember you just looking at me and being very authentically like whatever you need. And I actually felt like it was genuine. And I, you know, that's obviously I reached out to you on Instagram after that. And you, you I really appreciate it, man. <laughs> well, no problem. And again, like this is how the world works. You, you meet people through friends and it just sort of connects and, you know, if it wasn't for this pandemic, I, I think it would have been a little bit easier to move a lot of these things forward. But two things that happened. <laughs> One was, besides knowing that we had mutual friends, was you told me you got the show, but then we got in this conversation about having a kid. I had, at that time, my wife hadn't given birth yet. And mm-hmm. you started going pretty openly about how fucking hard it was. Number one, being a dad. Number two, how hard it was in your relationship with your wife. And you talked a lot about this in the episodes of Pursuit of Happiness. And I remember being like, I am not ready for this kind of honesty, right? Now. <laughs> oh no, dude. I'm no, so way. sorry. No, no, no. It was it was good. I just like I appreciated the honesty because so many people are like, nah, man, it's awesome. It's the best. You're gonna love. And yeah, while that's true, you were the one person that said, no, it's it's fucking hard. And I'm really reevaluating my relationship because I want to be better, but like I feel like I'm failing. Like, All I'm saying is when you speak to the camera in your show, that is literally who you are. Because when I was watching it, I was like, oh, this is like the conversation I was having with them in the basement bar. (laughs) Well, first of all, like, I mean, for better or for worse, yeah, I I say what I feel. (laughs) Like, I don't even remember having that conversation with you, but I'm not surprised. I hope I also did give balance to it because one of my pet peeves of the period before having a kid was people trying to scare the shit out of me Hmm. that it's so crazy. And I'm like, that is, first of all, that's not cool. Also, that's not even accurate. It's a nuanced experience. And just like anything that's awesome, the most awesome things, and you guys know this is people who work so hard, like the best work stuff is the stuff that was the hardest. And obviously, I think being a dad is that. It's like, if you heard those like people who say, um, being a parent is the hardest job in the world. And I personally don't relate to that because I'm not saying it's not extremely difficult, but I've had really bad jobs, like where I worked at like a bagel factory, you know, like there was no joy in that. At least in parenting, while it's extremely difficult, there are also so many moments of intense reward and joy. And for me, it's the it's the job I've always wanted. God, that sounded cheesy. Did I just say that out loud? <laughs> no, no, I, I, I totally, yeah, yeah. I, I totally, I, I totally agree. And I, I've been thinking about this a lot too. And like when people ask, like, because that's the thing, like you get the question from out, I'm gonna call them outsiders, non dads, muggles, who are like, what? So what is it like? What's the, <laughs> what, wait, what, what did you say? Muggles, you know, non magic. fucking dork, Robbie. <laughs> he just said muggles. Okay, like we're what is science, a muggle? Like, <laughs> Dude, it's, it's Harry, Harry Potter, Potter reference, dude. Uh, I don't, uh, I don't know Harry Potter. Oh my god! You know why? Because you're an adult. <laughs> you're an adult. <laughs> all right. This is the. This is maybe the third time I've talked to Chang today already. And first of all, he brought up Harry Potter on an earlier call. But anyway, <laughs> the question is always like, oh, what's it like? And and the way I've I figured it out now is like before I was a parent, you know, the moments of extreme joy 
and extreme sadness and frustration were sort of few and far between. Mm. Like I probably have 15 of each in a given day now. Like the the regularity with which you right. experience like the highest highs of your life and the lowest lows of your life just yeah, increase. The, the beta expands significantly. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that the, makes The amount of time sense. you spend not being extremely happy or extremely sad in a given day like decreases. So like <laughs> that's that's what it is. Like you just experience like the you you find the outer limits of life really is like yeah, what starts but to happen. I also think those limits come in with experience and just time, right? I mean, you have two. I mean, I assume your second kid was much less stress than your first one, right? Yeah. And, 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 you know, in this, in the spirit of being like completely honest, like the second one, you're also just like, if you can't get your enthusiasm levels and like the elation to the same place, you're kind of like, shit, am I doing this wrong? Am I like not, (laughs) do I not care as much now? I don't know. Uh, I don't know. Um, but Dave, that's funny you said that though, because, um, like, you know, one thing that I definitely, I feel like I observed one difference in watching your episode about parenting, which was definitely like, you were very articulate about being really scared of becoming a father. I'm curious how that's played out for you now that you've been doing it for a little while. I'm still scared. Like, we've talked about it on the Couple Dads podcasts. I'm always scared that whatever I do is going to hurt him or like physically maim him or less so about the emotional stuff quite yet, mm-hmm. even though my wife tells me that, hey, yeah. you're going to screw him up if you talk to him this way. Not like yeah. I'm yelling. Like, like uh, yesterday he was like playing with the laundry machine and yeah. he was like talking, like having a full conversation. I was like, I don't know what you're saying. Like, I'm sorry. Like, I don't know what you're saying. <laughs> Bro, <laughs> just slow like, down. He's what communicating are you talking to about? you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like, sort of like yeah. that. I was like, Hugo, like I'm trying to have a real conversation yeah. with him. I'm not like trying to do baby talk. I'm like, Hugo... I don't know what you want. You have to tell me. I'm like, please. Like, and Grace is like, you're being such an asshole because you're clearly saying, Dad, would you turn this on for me, please? Or and open up the door. And I'm like, I wanted to say something mean. And then I realized that's, of course, what he's trying to communicate. He oh just doesn't God. know how to say it yet. <laughs> oh, my God. In, and, in, in, in Chang's house, he's, he's one of these people who's like, you're in my house. You learn English, man. <laughs> well, you know what? That's that's another thing. What's the age difference between you and your wife? You guys seem like you're. I'm you're, 11 years older than my wife. Okay, great. So we have the same. But thing, she's so. a lot more older than me. She's same, a lot older than me. bro. Exactly. So I'm I'm nine years older than my wife, and she's way more mature than me in a million ways. But one way that we significant differently because we're so we're kind of generationally different in how we were raised and what our expectations are in parenting and just the way like, and I'm assuming both of our wives read more books about parenting than you and I did. I read none. I read the first 10 pages of, of 20 of them. Um, <laughs> my wife has all these rules on how I'm supposed to talk and all that stuff. Like, and I listen to her because I know she's smarter than me and she knows what she's talking about. But I also feel like you should be allowed to speak to your kid with emotion sometimes. You should be allowed to get upset. You should be allowed to get annoyed because that human experience, I think, is what makes that kid understand how to relate to people. Yeah. I can tell you this and I can say I agree, but if our wives were on the conversation, I would say I disagree with you, Roby. I, I don't. I don't. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, I don't see that's your, really inappropriate, man. Dude, anytime I say anything like that, my wife also has like a whole bibliography that d- refutes oh everything God. I say and I, I never win. Yeah. So let me, no, let me frame what happened. So I'm with him in the laundry room, not thinking that my wife was behind me. And I'm having like a real conversation with him. And yeah. she just looks at me like, I'm just being a jerk. And I wasn't. I was trying to like teach him how to communicate. Yeah. 
<laughs> but she's like, you're going to scar, you're going to mentally scar him forever if you constantly sort of, you know, make him feel bad that he's not being expressive enough. And I was like, Ooh. yeah. So there, there it was. Yeah. I, I mean, all I can tell you is that I, I feel your pain. I've been there. And all you can do is try your best. Well, I mean, you were trying to have a conversation <laughs> with the dude. You know, you speak you're trying to have a conversation. <laughs> you wanted to help him. I mean, speaking of the bibliography yeah. thing, though, like I, this happened to me this week, and I was, I was saying something to you know, my daughter has become really bossy. I don't know if, if Amelie is the same way, but she oh. just wants to fucking oh, bro. control a thousand percent, and I love it. It's so cute. it's crazy because she's like everybody has to do what I say at any given oh, yeah. time, and yeah. I kind of was like. We were all like trying to go in the pool or something. And she was like, no, no, no. It's got to be this way, this way, this way. And I, I kind of like got frustrated. And my wife literally said to me, she was like, I just sent you an article about this. <laughs> like, oh, no. oh, shit. My wife sends me like three articles a day. Uh, um, but to be honest, uh, yeah, uh, I probably have read maybe less than... Two or three percent of the articles. <laughs> There's so oh, many, man. It's like a stack of New Yorkers growing in my bathroom. Oh, that's the <laughs> argument my wife and I get in all the time. I'm like, your 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 philosophy here is not scalable. Like, <laughs> we mean, can't we can't have a book for every minute of the day as parents. Right. <laughs> but before we get in a ton of trouble, let it be said that like we are we are wrong. We are. <laughs> yeah, yeah like, we're completely wrong. We're completely Luckiest wrong. men in the world. <laughs> Um, let's, but but uh, so, hold on. He asked about like what else I'm scared about. I'm literally yeah. still scared that I'm going to murder him somehow accidentally by what I feed him. Like yeah. now it's blueberries. I've been told you can't give him blueberries, but he loves blueberries. You can give him and blueberries. Who say no blueberries? I know. But every time I give him a blueberry, I'm like, this might be the one where he chokes. <laughs> so I still worry that he's going to choke on everything. Well, I've heard that's a first child specific thing, which is the constant fear of killing your child. I mean, I remember the first, especially the first few months, like it was crazy. Like my sensitivity in my sleep was insane. It was a, it's a pretty cool how primal that is, by the way. Oh my God, you got to read this book uh, called The Male Brain. If you have a son, I think it's like must reading because it explains the evolution. Well, hold on, hold on. Wait, wait you, you're already breaking the first rule of dads. You can't, you said, we're the no reading club, and now you're recommending the fucking book. <laughs> I know, dude. Man. He is this infiltrated. Is what like no, I'm in the cult. I've been brainwashed. I didn't even know I did it. Ying, Ying, I think our wives planning yeah. him to do this. I know. That, that's why Grace was narc. like, oh, he's so good. You should really listen to Ravi. Yeah. Oh, no. I, I, no, I dude, I told my wife, we had this moment the other day. We, we have been quarantined in like like a group of three families. And I was with one of the other couples the other night and I go, hey, do y'all want to watch Amelie uh, for half a day? Like we, we need to do like a deep cleaning day. I don't know. How have you guys been doing those? They're like, we don't do deep cleaning days. I'm like, my actual reaction to that moment was like, ew. And then I realized I came home and I'm telling my wife and I'm like, oh no, you, you this is like inception. Like I have turned yeah. into her. Yeah. Like, it's gotten to the point where it bothers me. Like, and I am a slob. I don't know when this happened. <laughs> You've lost yourself, man. I clean. You've I lost do, yourself. I, every night before I go to bed, I do a full sweep. I clean everything. Here's, this is, God, I'm so brainwashed. I'm begging to fold the laundry and she doesn't let me. <laughs> I do. And she doesn't let me because she doesn't like how I fold. Which, by the way, I've been complimented on my folding in the past. I know that I'm good, a good folder. But her standards are just so, and she's in my head. It's only, you know what she is? She negged me. So now I want to fold even more. 
Yeah, oh my God. I, I feel like you, you're you down like seven touchdowns going into the third quarter, bro. <laughs> you needed to go no huddle offense. Yeah, by the way, welcome to my life. Oh my God. <laughs> I mean, I can't fold like my wife. My wife grew up in a dry cleaning business. She's like the greatest <laughs> fucking folder of all time. That is I no shot. <laughs> so, oh no. Oh no. I We're, mean, I fold, this... I fold like I'm recovering from a stroke. So that's how I look at it. <laughs> when I look like... in those those lenses, I'm like, that's pretty fucking good, man. I fold like I'm recovering from a stroke. <laughs> oh man, uh, this I got. <laughs> It's the most unsympathetic position I've ever had. Like, my wife is too good at folding clothes. That's why I can't do it. No, no. I fold like a yeah, very, very we're about to lose some, lose some support Especially here. Especially during quarantine when I wear like five fucking things, right? Yeah. Why do I have to make it perfect? I know it's just going to be oh, on don't me even, in yeah. 24 hours. Bro, I hear you. I mean, I, I have a station by the hamper where I like to put clothes that I know are going to be back on in the next 12 hours. Oh, yeah. And she has a problem exactly. with that. And I'm like, babe, I need some sort of a intermediary Purgatory. service station. Yeah, like I can't, you know, and she, I'm like, I'm sorry, I grew up using piles. I I make piles. Yeah, sometimes. it's not clean and dirty. It's not a binary state. Come on. There's, there's <laughs> exactly. degrees of dirtiness yes. here. No. Uh, guys, guys, I think, I think when the future looks back on what just transpired right now, when the history books look back on it, mm-hmm. This is the moment the revolution began. Right. Mm-hmm. No. This, for, for men. This is when, this is when, the, this is when the men's rights movement really took off. Yeah. This, <laughs> just to clarify, uh, listeners, the, uh, the revolution he's talking about is, I think, the one where the patriarch... So right now, the patriarch is in charge. The matriarch is making a big comeback. He's anticipating the point in the future in 100 years where we take it back. <laughs> Is that correct? <laughs> and it's God. begun today no, no, we, we, before we've we're, stopped we're, winning. Like in The Wire, you can't play the game if you're not in the game. We're not even going to play the game anymore. We're out. <laughs> we insane. are now setting our own rules mm-hmm. about pragmatism. You know, Chris knows this. I talk about all the time. Pragmatism. I'm putting my clothes next to the hamper because it's efficient. It's not bothering anyone because I know I'm going to wear it in the next 10 hours or so. Mm-hmm. So, like, I don't have to. This is, I think, a metaphor about the movement that we need to do about living a domestic lifestyle now yes, about boundaries. being Putting sensible. Our foot down. Boundaries. Yes. yes. That's what I'm talking about. It's like, we're not going to take it anymore. This I'm is out. the husband's I'm, march. I'm out. I'm out. The husband's I'm march. This is the us walking march. around in the hallways with uh, penises or whatever our thing will be. <laughs> Maybe you guys have strong enough marriages to survive this bit, but like I don't. I, I'm, I'm, no, I, I don't gotta, have a strong gotta, enough marriage. There's, I'm not going to tell my wife I did this podcast. It's not going to happen. All right, here's the only fair thing. Here's the only fair thing for us to do right now because we're okay. we're such we've become men's rights activists. We're going to skip over things we did well this week, and we got we have to we got to start no, talking no, about things no, we did no. poorly. We, gotta, we cannot skip over things we did well. Yeah, I have to do that. <laughs> Wait, I can. I look whether we keep this in the show or not. I, I actually, I genuinely want to ask the thing about fear, because I'm curious, are you fueled by fear? Like, do you have that kind of fear in your work life? Oh my God. I mean, I am the embodiment of fear. (laughs) (laughs) That's it. So that's a personality trait. You are a fear-based, like you're motivated by fear. That is everything. That is, unfortunately, my very existence is fear about what's about to happen. I'm yeah. always trying to prepare myself for worst case scenarios. Yeah. You know what? That makes sense though. Because even, even the way I've heard you speak about, which by the way, I really love how much you've been advocating for the restaurant community during this whole time. But it, it, the way you speak about kind of everything, there's almost like you feel the emotional burden of all these things as if you're 
not in a superior way, but like in a way where you feel so responsible for the things that you're in. And you, you can, I can hear that in when you talk about work and stuff. So it makes sense to me. I'm not like that. Thank God. No, you're definitely not. And that's another thing I want to say is like, you are, but you're not. You seem like way happier as a person than myself. <laughs> <laughs> but I, 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 I will, I will say just not even way happier, like just not nearly as neurotic as me. That is like a huge win for anybody. Well, I will tell you that my Jewish friends say I am the most neurotic person they know. So I have my own version of a neuroses. I just think it's significantly different. Again, than not, not, not enough. My Jewish friends say, <laughs> you are Jewish. Yeah, that's what they say to me. <laughs> they go, dude, you are the most Jewish dude we know. Uh, that's funny. But no, I agree with you. I think, you know, neuroses by definition is, you know, negative thoughts. And I don't, so I don't know that I actually suffer that as much as I just, suffer from an inability to turn it off, which by the way, I just found out three weeks ago, which is the least surprising thing in the history of medicine that I have ADHD. And I think that's a big Mm. part of it. By the way, I think like all creative people, like I would argue 75% of creative people have some version of it, Mm. um, especially entrepreneurs. Like, I don't know if you've ever been tested for it, but I wouldn't be surprised. Well, that's the main reason why I started to see a psychiatrist you know, a lot of it was depression, but I was like, man, I hope he fucking prescribes me Ritalin. <laughs> that, was, that was the main reason why. Um, <laughs> Did you get it's it? It's cocaine. It's legal cocaine. Yeah. Come on, Mike. It is it's legit amazing. low. It is legit low. Um, did you get it? Uh, it's a whole nother story. Okay. It, it's taken 15 years for me to get diagnosed as ADHD, which was the irony of the whole thing. But yeah, I have it. So we both just got diagnosed with this thing? I have adult version of Ritalin. And listen, I used to abuse drugs like a motherfucker as a kid and, and like buy Ritalin from kids. And I used to mm-hmm. scrape off the time release shit and everything. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. Now it's like, I'm not even going to bother. Just give me what it was designed for. And, and that's, that's where I'm at. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I got prescribed. I forget what it's called. Like Concerta. Concerta. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I haven't picked it up yet, but um, yeah, I'm actually. Oh, it's, it's awesome. Really? It's like glasses for your brain. Really? Yeah, it's like it's like, it's like that's the way I describe it. It's oh like reading gla- it's like glasses for your brain. It's it just allows I'm be serious. This is important. I think that when I got it, I was like, fuck, man, I've been waiting 15 years to get this fucking drug. Now I have it. And I'm like, oh, I think I'm like, I don't even need it. <laughs> and then and then I get on it and I'm like, well, this is not nearly as fun as it used to be. And it's very different, obviously. But the, what I noticed was I got angrier less. Oh, it's hmm. supposed to be huge for because that. Because one of the things that I learned was because of my inability to focus or to be too hyper-creative, I was not able to string together thoughts in a like fashion that made sense for my own mind. So I would get really frustrated when talking. So now I'm able to hold multiple thoughts simultaneously. And I still have struggles, but it's not nearly as confusing for me. So I don't get, I still get angry, as a lot of people know, but I don't get as angry. So it allows me to focus. And the way I describe it to my shrink was, it's like adult reading glasses for my brain. It just allows me to focus. It doesn't make me like, doesn't feel like it gave me super, it doesn't feel like I can cram an entire, you know, semester's worth of notes the night before an exam. Which is exactly what I used it for in college. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Dude, I remember I took it in college. I took one of those time releases in college. I remember the night, it was an honors econ class that I hadn't been to at all. Like literally had not shown up for. And I went to the <laughs> library. I remember at 10 p.m. I took one of these pills. I didn't know what it was. They said, it's a time release. This will help you. And I walked out of that library and went straight to class at 8 a.m. I had read three quarters of that econ 
book without <laughs> even moving. And I, and, and I, I mean, I, I crushed it. And I, I don't know why I never did it again because, I, I mean, I guess I had recreationally. But anyway, like, I think I would have cured cancer if I had been doing this stuff every day. No, 100% you would have. Ravi, I, I believe that you would have because in college, I think there's something about that timing. It is like a superpower. And I yeah. really believe if I ran for office, I would legitimately say we need to put in our water supply. And our GDP would increase by 25%. Well, it's the opening scene of Brave New World. This is literally yeah. the beginning of Brave New World, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> yeah. that might be, I, didn't, I didn't expect this to get so Republican so quickly, but that was an interesting Holy political Holy turn. Hell. Ruby, tell us a parenting success from this, this past week or so. What, what is something well, you did well What are you trying well to do? You're trying to pivot this back into your show? I'm trying to, I'm trying to, I'm trying to get this fucking <laughs> runaway We're train back on the track. Here. We're talking about libertarianism <laughs> and uh, ADHD. <laughs> oh, my this God. Is, the audience is going to love this. This is going to be a four-minute episode after you're done editing it. <laughs> it's just, just going to be an ad for Concerta, and that's it. That'll be the whole fucking episode. <laughs> oh, by the way, one last thing. Okay, and then I, I, I realize we, we need to keep talking about like, I'm actually turning this into an audio documentary, my experience with this thing. And, it, and I'm going to do this test basically with Concerta. And then I found these doctors in Oregon who are doing a completely holistic approach alongside the mm. drugs where they basically do these genetic tests and they, they, I guess all of our brains are different and there's different strengths and weaknesses and they essentially assess you. They give you these vitamins supply to take. And I'm doing that alongside a mindfulness practice. I'm going to do a technology cleanse. I'm going to do a full on brain cleanse for two, three months as an experiment to achieve the results that it sounds like you already got just with the drug. Did you get your DNA test on your brain? Yeah. Yeah. The genome thing. I just, uh, genome mind. Yes. I just sent that in two days ago. When did you oh do this? God. I've been doing what you're trying to do for like <laughs> five years. <laughs> Amazing. I, I, just, I honestly cannot wait because it is, it is my biggest no, frustration when you get the results, life. It's a lot to take in. It's a lot to take in. I don't know if, do you, do you have a therapist? Do you, a psychiatrist, uh, yeah. someone you talk to with all this? Yeah. It's a lot. Once you really start breaking down your DNA, your genetic sort of makeup of why, it's very much Gattaca and mm -hmm. it's a lot. I really think it's um, something you should prepare yourself for because it'd be like, <laughs> oh man, that explains so much or like, oh, I didn't know. And, and also it tells you how the one thing that it does where it measures things of your liver and certain other body functions to mm -hmm. tell you how you process medicine and vitamins, mm -hmm. which is why some of the holistic people say you need to have folic acid and all these other fucking mm -hmm. things, which actually isn't necessarily holistic. It's, it's all sort of makes sense, but it's a lot. So good luck with that. Did you get your results back? Uh, I just got an email before we started this that they're back, but I, we, we're, we're going to get on the phone, I guess, in the next couple of days. But look, the, the, the emotional stuff, by the way, that you're talking about, the, the reactivity, those are actually another reason why I'm so motivated to do this because I was talking about how, first of all, I hate my, my memory's horrible. Um, I always tell people I have a very fast processor and no hard drive. And <laughs> I... I you know, I'm just sick of not being able to be more disciplined in my approach with work. Like I tend to sprint in the last, on the last lap. Um, mm -hmm. and, and now that I'm a father, I'm trying to really limit my real estate with work and hopefully bifurcate them a little more than I have been. And that along with, I have a tendency to be sensitive and reactive. And they're telling me that this is supposed to help. So I, I'm so excited. I love that you've been through this journey. I'm it makes me excited. You definitely need to have a medical professional explain what all these fucking things mean because it's 
it's like a crazy code of shit. So, no, bro, there's no lack of those. That. I told you about my wife. We've got copays to every zip code in LA right now. We're fine. <laughs> 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 the one thing I found out though, and I told this to Ying, I'm a ketamine responder. You wait. You've done so, you've done K therapy. He was very excited about this. I'm very excited. You know, if it wasn't for the pandemic, and I'm not in New York right now, I had a doctor's appointment uh-huh. where I was going to be given an IV drip of ketamine. And I was like, what? This is awesome. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it's all on the up and up because of now medically, it's shown that like I am a responder to it for a variety of genetic reasons. And now I got to sort of sort this whole thing out in LA, but it's a real thing. And here's why it's important. The reason why I'm talking about this, not to joke about it. I know we've talked about a lot of other fucking things already, but it will be in the near future where you're going to be able to take a nasal spray if you're feeling sad and feel much better. We're very close to that. Isn't that wild? The more we talk about this, and like in this moment right now, the more people are able to talk about this without being like, oh, that's fucking weird. We're going to be able to talk about mental health in a way where your kids, my kids are going to be able to look at this like someone had asthma and they were taking an inhaler. I don't know how I feel about that. I mean, it's amazing. Yeah, but but I guess what scares me about that is I also feel like pain and suffering are an important part of the human experience. 100%. I'm not disagreeing. This isn't about like anytime you feel sad, you're 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 able to do this. This is for depression. Really think about this. Okay. Not I won't say an inhaler. Mm-hmm. That's not an, an accurate way. I think it's more of an EpiPen. Mm. Like you're not taking a shot of an adrenaline just because like, why the fuck not? You're right. doing it when you fucking need it. And, and I think that this is where it's at, right? There's definitely moments in my life where like, okay, you should be taking something now. I mean, if you look at what is happening with nootropics right now, that makes, that actually makes sense as the next logical destination. Um. So sorry, Ying. This always happens when we do a dad's podcast is uh, I inevitably drive the car off the fucking road. And now we're stuck in a ditch of <laughs> mental health that no one ever thought that we would be at. So but Ying, the good news is we got tow us out of this fucking hole. <laughs> yeah, tow us out of this fucking hole. Well, I'm going to try one more time to ask Ravi to tell us something, a parenting victory. And if he doesn't fucking give me one this time, I'm out. I give up. I give up. We can, we can just, we, let's, we can all just, we all just take LSD and go. <laughs> a parenting victory from the last week. Yeah. Correct? That's yeah. all. Um, you know, so I handle, my wife is working more than she's ever has before. So anything to do with like bedtime or nighttime wakings with our daughter, I do that. And our daughter wakes up a couple times a week in the middle of the night. She screams, she yells. And I guess one of the victories, it's actually goes along the reactivity thing that we were talking about. I've gotten so good at talking to her when she's going nuts and hmm. calming her down. And the other night in two, three in the morning, she wakes me up. She's screaming at the top of her lungs. She's hysterical. And uh, I improvised. And, you know, that's when you know you're in the zone, when you're really doing, when you're doing new stuff and you're just, <laughs> and uh, first of all, I, st- I made her laugh by saying, now you're making me sad. And I pretended to cry with her, like a whisper cry. Okay. And that made her kind of crack a smile while she was crying. Mm-hmm. And then 
even though she was being really unreasonable, which I guess, you know, three-year-olds do, I was able to empathize and respect her while I was talking to her, which I've noticed is something that, funny enough, kids really respond to. And it's not something that I would have, that's not something innate to me. Innate to me is to just tell the kid what to do Mm -hmm. (laughs) because I said so. And now I'm just realizing that when I try to empathize, when I try to understand and listen, and then I try to be respectful about like, you know, I think this could be like a good idea if you do this. And she really responded to it. And it was such a good, it was such a good feeling. I I mean, I assume you guys know what it's like. Anytime you feel like you're getting better at it, (laughs) it's pretty rewarding. I think even, I I think that's total, I think you hit the nail on the head. Like even, even actually, I mean, Dave, I'd be curious to hear your perspective from like Hugo, who's, who's younger and is, and as you pointed out with the laundry story is not clearly articulating (laughs) his, his (laughs) desires to you yet. But like, my thing is like kids want to exercise some kind of control, like everything, like they have no control over anything in their lives. And when they're freaking out, that's like the only way they know how to like get some control over what's happening around them. Like if you give them some agency, like that, they like tend to be, that tends to work for me for sure. Um, yeah. I don't know. Cheng, do you feel like that applies at, at Hugo's age? No. <laughs> I, <don't think> so. <laughs> I mean, she, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I mean, this is where you should ask my wife this because I feel like I should have read a lot of those books that I was told to because I would be able to participate a little bit better in this conversation. No. But Hey, do not of, set the movement back with statements like that. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for holding me accountable. Own your, own your power, Stay man. Focused. Own your power. Thank you for holding me accountable. Um, no, I... You know, first of all, I don't even understand the question. I'll just, I'll just be honest. <laughs> I think we just got a glimpse into his marriage. Talking about? Uh, we just, we just yeah. got a glimpse. <laughs> that was the most voyeuristic moment. I don't even understand the question. <laughs> all right, good. We knocked out a segment. Good, we're done. Great. No, it's like when done. kids. It's all of this is like when kids when kids scream. It's because, like, they know that, like, that is the most effective way of getting a reaction from you. Okay, so it just happened. This isn't necessarily something I did good, although I made him udon for lunch, and I made him tempura, (laughs) right, of vegetables and all kinds of shit, being like, oh, he's going to like this because he's getting tired of all the stuff. I'm I'm running out of chicks. So I'm like, no, he's definitely going to like this. And I sit down. Grace isn't here because she's running an errand, and uh, he's not eating anything. And he's throwing shit around. And I'm like, he doesn't want anything I made him. And all he wants to do is touch the hot pot. You know, and he's screaming. And I know what he wants. He wants to touch the hot pot with all the noodles and broth in it. And, uh, you know, is that agency? He's just, that's all he wants. So what am I supposed to do? You know? And I look at my father-in-law and he's like, let him, let him touch it. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I mean, your father-in-law actually—that's somewhat close to my philosophies, which is like let them fall and learn what that's like. But uh, if I let my daughter touch something that could burn her or hurt her, I would get in a lot of trouble. No, it wasn't. It wasn't necessarily burning, right? Like I know if you felt it, it'd be like touching a hot radiator, mm. right? Yeah. And we were talking about pain and suffering, and I was like debating that. So what I did was. I waited like another five minutes. Mm-hmm. I waited five more minutes for him to continue to yell at the top of his lungs, throwing shit everywhere. Mm-hmm. 
banging for the wooden. I'm like, I'm trying to appease him by giving him different utensils that I think that he wants because he's yelling. Ah! It's very clear though. He just wants to touch the donabe of udon. And then I, I touch it. I'm like, well, now that's like a hot radiator, but not like, no way it's going to burn him. Yeah. And then I let him, I push a little bit closer and he grabs over and he touches it and he goes, ah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then he's like, I want to touch it more. <laughs> <laughs> Pain don't hurt. So I, uh, I, I was like, that was fucking crazy. I don't know if that was a good parenting move or bad parenting move. It didn't mean anything. <laughs> Well, this is a thing that's covered in that book, The Male Brain, which is that that's how males, that's how we learn about the world is essentially through testing physical boundaries and essentially like hurting ourselves. So that's, that's what that is in action. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, like this show, I don't know the answer. I don't know the answer. No, if you did the right thing or not, but I'm, I'm all you. I I agree with, (laughs) I think you did the right thing. (laughs) The one thing that the dad's podcast is, is not about is correct answers. Uh, I I would say, you know, cause I've, I've, I've wrestled, I've had that exact same moment, you know, Ruby, when she was Hugo's age, wanted to touch hot pots and things like that. And, like what I would always try to do is like kind of redirect in that sort of like you have agency way. I'd be like, okay, you can touch it. But like when you, when you touch a hot thing, you've got to like have a towel in your hand. So like here, take this towel and put it here or like, Hey, it's really hot, but you want, I know you want to touch it. So use this ladle and you can help me scoop the noodles, whatever it is. Like half the time it doesn't fucking work. They really just want the thing that they want. And it's really not even about touching the thing. It's about like, fuck you dad. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I think that is part of the same thing. Chang. Um, what did you do well this week? I always think about this, and I think this is an insight into how I think about myself in general. I was like, fuck, I don't think I did really anything like particularly well, because anything I did well, you could also see as, that's pretty bad. <laughs> oh, man. This is- <laughs> because, you know, one of the things would be is, is, you know, I try to sneak in as much NBA basketball now that I can, uh, even though it's like right during the middle of, like, now I'm on West Coast time, it's so hard because it's in the middle of every fucking Zoom call and everything. And I try to get it right after dinner. So like 5.30, usually there's a game on ESPN or something like that. And, you know, Ying knows this because I sent him videotape of my son watching the NBA. It's the only thing he does. Totally calm. And it's not just the NBA. He loves the WNBA, anything that's basketball, any other sport, golf, baseball. So jealous. Soccer, he doesn't give a shit about. NBA... He just sits down and he's like, I say he's a prodigy. <laughs> he's a prodigy at watching the NBA and uh. just chilling out. And he has got a toy remote control in his hand. And I'm like, this, this is something I'm really proud of. And I could also see, I was like, this isn't very good either because I've now taught him. The one thing I've taught him is to do nothing <laughs> and watch TV <laughs> at the age of 17 and a half months. So that's what I mean is, could be seen as good, but I think most people would say, is, is that really good, Dave? That's pretty bad. So every day I try to get him to watch NBA. No, I did. I, for what it's worth, I'm jealous. Like, I, I, that's one of the things that, you know, look, anyone who has daughters is, you know, I was like, oh, I only want daughters now. I'm obsessed with having a daughter. But now, you know, in our little commune, we've got a, a bunch of boys too. And you realize like there's certain things about them in the same way that the male to female relationship, like father to daughter relationship is so special. I think the father to son relationship is so special for reasons like that. Like I want someone who I can watch sports with and like my daughter has no interest. 
She does have no interest in like kicking a soccer ball with me. I don't know that it's, maybe it's a, I mean, I've thought even as an adult, if I look at the amount of time I've invested in sports, was any of it really worth it? Like, you know, it's like, it's just a bunch of people doing this thing. Um, <laughs> but, but, but I don't know. I just think, it, what it, I think at the end of the day, the reason why we all do it, we're invested in the narrative, but I think really we're attracted to the community. I think it actually bonds us with a bunch of people who are like-minded. Yeah, I think that's right. Yeah, I mean, and it's also cool. Like, I feel like I'm teaching him something that isn't violence and it's the only TV he watches, really, that or like some planes and trains right. that uh, when I'm by myself at change his diaper, I definitely show him my phone so he doesn't like <laughs> move. That's also can be seen as a good or a bad thing, but um, he gets it. He has a basketball. He gets it when someone dunks because he's practicing his dunks now Dude. on his toy basketball. It's amazing. That's awesome. Look, I think the reason why that's so good is because it's going to make him want to play sports more. And I think playing sports is so important to any person's development. It teaches you so many things about teamwork, about perseverance, about grit. And I also think... I think about this a lot as an adult and as a dad, you know, you get so busy with like work and all these adult responsibilities that you forget really how spiritually fulfilling, specifically playing sports is. There's something special about it. And some, like I've recently started playing sports again and I realized it was a part of me that's like, I don't know, just, it just makes me feel more alive. Are you just like Greco-Roman wrestling with strangers during this COVID pandemic? Yeah, That's just, just anyone who's wearing a mask, I just tackle them. <laughs> just start, just it's like, let's town. wrestle. <laughs> uh, no, right now I'm doing a lot of golf and tennis. I'm terrible at both. You played golf, Chang. You, you're like a badass golfer, yeah. right? Not anymore, but once upon a time. <laughs> <laughs> um, well... My parenting victory this year, this this year, <laughs> my sole parenting <laughs> victory of the year of the of this past week was uh, like Chang. I struggle sometimes to think of like something I did well for my kids, but what I did do, and I think this is, this counts as something that that makes me a good dad, was uh, I did something very nice for my in laws. I, I had their anniversary in my own calendar and my by my own volition with no prodding from my wife. I like made their very favorite meal for their anniversary because we're, we're, we're quarantining with them. Wow. And uh, it was something that like was extremely annoying to cook, but I knew that they like. I made bouillabaisse, which I will never make <laughs> unless like I, I have to. Uh, but I was, Dude, I was what did good... you do wrong? What did you do wrong? <laughs> What did you do so wrong that you had to make bouillabaisse? Because <laughs> this, this is why you fucked up. You my fucked wife up. was so happy and surprised by this. This, Dude, this, this is unprompted. This is very unplaudable. Yeah, no, that's a big. That's a great move. Good for you, man. That's awesome. Yeah, that was my victory for that's the. Um, so much better than just like turning on basketball. Like that was. I think that's great. <laughs> I'm kidding. Chang is legitimately, legitimately <laughs> mad about that. He's, He's legitimately, legitimately mad about that. <laughs> yeah, look at He's, He's filing out. that he one right forget. away. There it goes. He's, like, <laughs> He's like this rummy yeah. character. Yeah, yeah nope. this is his, this is his like, last dance. I'm squashing your heads in my fucking yeah. thumbs. This right is that, that Jordan last dance. This is that moment. I'm the high school coach <laughs> that cut him. <laughs> Um, all right. Well, let's. I, I did actually want to touch on one other thing before we move into the the negatives. Hey, Ro hey Ravi, you want to play some golf? <laughs> <laughs> Wait, real talk. When was the last time you played? Tell me the truth. 
uh, about a year ago. First time in 20, 23 years, maybe something like that. How did you do? Years? I don't know. How'd you do? I don't know. I mean, my short game needs work, but yeah. I drove a couple greens. I drove two par fives and two. Oh, you know. what? I did have an, and I had an, and I had an eagle. I had like, I actually had two birdies, an eagle, and like four quadruple bogeys and two triple bogeys and <laughs> six double bogeys. It was a weird, weird round. That's impressive as yeah. fuck, though. Man. It would be, were you super hard on yourself? Because like, that's one of the reasons why I can't play basketball. That and the fact that uh, my entire body breaks every time I, I do that. But um, I can't play basketball because I still in my head think I'm in my mid-20s. And not only good at basketball, but I think I'm still like my body is 30 pounds lighter. And so I get really angry. Like I talk to myself, I yell at myself like a crazy person. <laughs> it's weird. It's uncomfortable for everyone. Well, that's one reason I don't play golf is because it would consume my life. I don't even like it, but I want to <laughs> beat the shit out of everybody. And I immediately thought if I practiced every day, got a swing coach, could I make the senior tour? Yes. Dude, do that. I would be so Because The whole thing with me was me a mental game. It was never really, you know, the swing. I mean, short game got fucking iffy for a little bit, but I was like, man, I think that if I dedicated my next 10 years of my life, I would try to make the senior tour. But you know what? That's a good, like, bucket list. Like, at some point. But here's the thing. I don't, I'm, this is what I'm trying to change. I don't like the sport. <laughs> I would do it just, I would do it just to be competitive, and that's not good for me. <laughs> yeah, that, that might not be the healthiest thing. I mean, yeah, I would do the exact same thing, <laughs> but uh, I know that there's zero chance I could ever make the senior tour in anything. I, I dude, I know where that comes from. That I, that's very but also tempting. that's also not reality because these players, even the the seniors, they're so fucking they're good, so good right now. now. And yeah, they're all. Good. I mean, it's just ridiculous. I, I I probably couldn't even win my club championship if I joined a stupid country club. So that's just the reality of it. Yeah, that sounds um, like good motivation. To okay, me. we're we're back in a ditch, Ying. Pull us out, <laughs> pull us out, tow us out again. <laughs> I'm, I mean, like I don't. I, when yeah. you talk about ketamine and golf, I'm just like I'm out. I'll see you guys <laughs> at the other side of this one. <laughs> we are dead. We are dead. Dads. We have children, so we are dads. Well, that was our conversation with Ravi. Uh, man, that guy, you have to check out the series. It's wonderful. My wife was laughing out loud. Uh, particularly, again, enjoyed the Korea episode, the Japanese episode. These are really subjects that a lot of I would say tourists don't quite understand when they visit different countries, particularly, say, Japan. And, and uh, you know, there, there are different ways of understanding it. And I, I, what I appreciate about the, the docuseries, it's answering questions that we can all relate to, but done during a uh, different time, right? Pre-COVID. And, and uh, man, this world is a very different place. But uh, I'm really glad that this is documented and... Hope you guys check it out. Hilarious. And I, I really do. I think the, the Cree episode is incredibly meaningful. And also the one with his child, which talks about parenting via Japanese culture. I just, again, I can't speak more highly about it. Super talented. Check out his 
new docuseries, Pursuit of Happiness, and check out part two, which we will release later this week, which includes all of our parenting failures of the week. Also apologize. I know this podcast goes all over the place, but we had a really good time and I have no doubt we're going to have Ravi on this podcast many more times because he's an easy hang and really hope for a second season on this. All right, guys, stay tuned next week, or excuse me, stay tuned this week for the second part of our dad's podcast with Ravi Patel. Give us five stars, however you rate this. If you give us a question on it, give us five stars. We'll answer it. Also, keep on sending in your questions at askdave at majordomamedia.com. We will do more mailbags soon enough, but I appreciate your guys' support. Stay safe, stay healthy. Bye.